We're getting Arch Manning. We're getting Arch Manning. We're getting Arch Manning. Maybe. We're going to talk about it, though. Only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all my written work with whole nine sports before getting into today's content. Just going to ask you to like, subscribe, leave a comment, review. Let me know how I can make the show better. Let me know how I can make it worse if you want to do that. I don't care. I'm over the DMs too. I've been getting some of those and I appreciate them greatly. And I'm about to be joined by John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Lockdown's Recruiting Insider to talk about Arch Manning and so many more 2023 possible commits and current commits. Joining me now is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Lockdown's Recruiting Insider. And we're talking about Arch Manning because he, of course, went on the record and said, I've had a few conversations with Florida. I've heard a lot of good things about Coach Napier, so I might want to check and see what they're all about. And I love talking about Arch Manning. John, you know this because I always get the comments of, we're not getting Arch. Stop it. Well, uh, I'm ready for one of those again. And I mean, hey, Arch, maybe, maybe a Gator? Look, step one is getting him on campus. I mean, I think everybody recognizes that. And and he confirmed on Monday to a bevy of reporters who were in town at, at Isidore Newman High School that, hey, that's something that's still potentially on the table. Um, so he, he did confirm that, you know, the big three we've always been talking about with Arch is truly the big three. It's, it's Georgia, it's Texas, it's Alabama. They're probably getting official visits, but he remains open elsewhere in terms of visiting other schools unofficially. And, and really when he does hit the road, it will be LSU, it will be Florida. And, and obviously with Billy Napier's ties to the state of Louisiana, there's a longstanding relationship, at least between the Manning camp and Napier, the communication thereafter has been really strong, strong enough for Arch to confirm that the Gators are a possibility, even though this is a transition coaching staff. You know, Florida and LSU are the two newest coaching staffs in the SEC, and, and they're both potentially lining up to, to get a visit out of, of Manning. But, of course, it will feel bigger if he visits Florida, to be honest, because he's a New Orleans kid. Baton Rouge is, is right down the road. Making the trek to Gainesville unofficially – I think will signify true interest between both parties. Uh, and you can understand why, uh, you know, there's, there's a longstanding history there between the two parties and, and he doesn't know where he wants to go yet. And I think that's the biggest thing I took away from some of his comments is, is one, other schools are in it. And two, he doesn't really know. There's no timeline. I mean, it could be later this summer, but it could be into the season. So if you're a Gators fan, you're really looking for one, actually getting the unofficial visit and two, this thing extending longer and longer, you know, down the line so that there's more time for Billy Napier and his coaching staff to make an impression, not only on the man in camp, but, but on college football to establish, hey, this thing is going to turn around pretty quickly and move forward sooner rather than later uh, to, to remind the man in camp that, hey, you know, that's, this is something on the field that is now tangibly positive because that's something that's important in their pursuit of a commitment as well, which is, I think, part of the reason 
why he hasn't made a decision yet. You know, I think the jury's still out on Texas, even though it's a, a long time top contender for him. I do kind of think the Manning camp wants to see the season kick off and see how some of these offenses look in September, maybe even into October before things are truly settled. So I think in that time, as he's maybe looking closely at Texas, Florida can obviously hit the field at the same time and begin to make their own impressions, which you can now pair with the initial personal impression that that you have with Napier and company after taking that first visit. So I do think that is certainly step one, but the timeline extending and potentially being prolonged further into the fall is a good thing for Gator Nation. You've got to to kind of keep him warm as long as he wants to take uh, to make a final decision. And then some of these other quarterbacks are going to make decisions in the meantime. So that could help the Gators stay in it as well, depending on where some of them go. So fascinating as always when Arch speaks, but usually the conversation around him is, is much larger and kind of extended. And I think his timeline still being wide open in, in mid-May is fascinating and a true development in this Arch Manning recruitment that should make everybody not named Georgia, Alabama, Texas feel a much better about their chances, even if it's just a puncher's chance. You'll take it at this point for a kid that is, you know, that highly coveted. Yeah, and I mean, we know how highly coveted he is and how everybody wants Arch Manning, of course, but does it play an impact in other recruits as well if Arch commits to, let's say, Florida, Texas, Georgia, wherever, does that play a role in where now high caliber receivers and other pass catchers are going to go, well, I'm going to go play with Arch Manning. Arch Manning could commit to Louisiana Tech or UL Monroe or an FCS school, and you would see tangible momentum on the recruiting trail beyond his name for that school, particularly, as you mentioned, Brandon, with wide receivers, with running backs, with offensive linemen. Uh, And I think it would even carry over onto defense. I mean, that is truly rare, but with generational type quarterbacks, we see this. You know, we saw it with with Trevor Lawrence. We saw it with Justin Fields. We saw it with Tua Tingle-Vailoa. When they made their commitments to their schools, everybody was put on notice. And everybody was like, hold on, let me, you know, let me see what's going on with, with this school. Um, and I think that's the type of recruit, obviously, that Arch Manning could be is to where any single player at any position being recruited by that school might give it one more look because, hey, Arch Manning's going there, NIL money's going there, TV cameras are going there, reporters are going there, Buzz is going there. So if you believe in yourself, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm a great recruit, I'm a great player too, you could literally have more value at the school Arch Manning goes to because that much more attention is headed that school's way, much like we saw with Caleb Williams in the transfer portal, right? He goes to USC and everyone's ears perk up and eyebrows lift and all of a sudden they've got, you know, a, an elite, transfer portal class in a matter of a couple of weeks. So I do think quarterbacks have that um, momentum within them. And, and my goodness, from a high school perspective, who would have more momentum than, than Arch Manning of all people? Yeah. And then you, you mentioned that offensive linemen could be committing once Arch Manning goes, because you want to protect the best quarterback in the nation as, from the outside looking in. Uh, but there is another offensive lineman that could be committing to Florida prior to that because we've got Bryce Lovett. His commitment date is set for May 16th, which is this Monday at 11.50 a.m. He's deciding between Florida, Missouri, Iowa State, and Louisville. And just where do we stand on that and his potential commitment to the Gators? Look, I think the Gators handled this thing the right way. You know, he's always been interested. It's the only in-state school we're talking about for the Rockledge High School native. Um, And I think 
the Gators were meticulous with the scholarship offer. He visited a couple times, kind of showed interest on his end, and then the Gators found enough to pull the trigger with a scholarship offer. He's, look, he's a nasty offensive lineman, a little bit raw, but has you know the physical foundation to be an inside or outside contributor at the next level. So Florida evaluates him, eventually offers uh, at the offensive line position, uh, and then he takes another visit, right? And none of them are official visits. Uh, and then he's got this top four, but he sets an official visit to Florida for June, even though he's committing in May. So look, I, I think that timeline tells you about all you need to know uh, about Lovett's recruitment uh, at this point. I do think everybody's looking up at the Gators heading into the commitment. And look, we're only a week away at this point. So it's hard to imagine much changing. Rockledge is, is, is knee deep in spring football practice. So it's not like he's gonna hit the road and check out any of these schools one last time, I believe, before a verbal commitment is to be made. So when you tra- when you cover recruiting, you track the visits, especially when visits are beginning to get set post a public verbal commitment date. And that's the case with Bryce Lovett to Florida for his official visit. So I think the staff initially playing patient with him paid off, then deploying that scholarship offer and getting him on campus once again. And I kind of reemphasized that point. And, and I think it was when he took his last visit to Gainesville where his recruitment started to feel differently. Um, I think Iowa State, which has been in it for the long haul, was maybe an early favorite or Missouri. But then he took that final Florida visit before uh, or after getting the offer, I should say. Uh, and then from that point on, it has really felt like Florida's race to lose. And then him setting the visit for June with a May verbal commitment date all but reconfirms that this is Florida's race to lose. I would be surprised if he committed anywhere uh, but the orange and blue. I mean, I love Matt Campbell of Ohio State, but sorry, man, I want you to lose this one. <laughs> we're, we're about to switch more to people who are already committed to the Florida Gators. But first, I'm going to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Spring break is over. The NFL draft is over. And that means that it is almost summertime. It's almost vacation time. I got vacation coming up in a month and 10 days. So, woo, looking forward to that. But uh, I got to get back in shape because it, it's it's hardcore diet time, which means Built Bar, you got me covered because I got a hardcore sweet tooth. And you all know that. And Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have just 130 calories, just four net carbs, which net carbs, the most important thing to me, along with 17 grams of protein. Throw out the hidden sashes, Reese's in the desk drawer, Kit Kat in the cupboard. M&M is on the desk. I don't know what you have or where you have it, but get Built Bar. You don't got to sneak around. You don't got to feel guilty. You don't got to feel bad. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order with Built or BuiltBar.com. We're back now with John Garcia, of course, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider, talking about people who have already committed to the Florida Gators for the 2023 class. Because, of course, I believe it was the first time I had John on a few weeks ago. I was telling him that I was getting DMs and comments about Billy Napier's only got one commit for the 2023 class. The sky is falling. He's even worse than Dan Mullen. Uh, and, and things are quickly changing we've got one commit who's been committed since august of 2021 and that is aaron gates he's been committed nothing has changed on that front and where do you fall on aaron gates and just his uh, i guess his stick-to-itiveness with sticking through the head coaching change yeah i think that's a big deal and he should be a fan favorite really just for that alone Uh, it's not easy to 
be recruited by one group, see them get fired, and then kind of embrace the next group. But that's exactly what Aaron has done. There's really been no indication publicly or privately that he is is really even looking elsewhere at this point. Uh, so, so that's certainly a positive, especially when it comes from an out-of-state kid. You know, he's a state of Georgia prospect from the Atlanta area, uh, and he's really interesting on the field as well. So not only should he be a fan favorite for showing, you know, legitimate loyalty, probably more than a lot of fans could say from one coaching staff to the next, but also, you know, sticking with that verbal commitment and, and showing that, that hey, you know, he, he's a good player as well. Got to see him in person uh, earlier this spring at a camp where he was working at DB. You know, he's a two-way guy in high school, so doesn't have a ton of DB experience. Looks and feels like a safety at this point, 6'1", 6'2", uh, right around 200 pounds. Physically well-built, kind of looks like he's in college already, Brandon. Uh, and, and I love the ball skills and instincts this kid plays with. The technical aspect has to come further along before he gets to Florida, but he knows that given his inexperience at the position. But what you want to see in in settings like a camp, a high-level camp, is you want to see that competitiveness. You want to see him dig in uh, and compete, even though compared to his opposition, he's a little bit behind the eight ball from a repetition and technical standpoint. But yet and still, Aaron Gates was making plays on the football. He had uh, one of the best interceptions I've seen this year uh, on the camp and combine circuit in the back of the end zone. Uh, but more importantly, he was in position more times than not uh, against guys that were a lot smaller and faster than he is. So he's got a competitiveness and an edge and physicality about him that I think will suit Gator Nation well. And, and I think it could help him maybe play versatile uh, positionally at the next level. I think he can maybe be a nickel, a star, maybe one of these hybrid safeties that plays a little bit more in the box, but also can stay on the field on third downs even with a, a deep coverage responsibility. So I think the person is easy to root for if you're a Gators fan, but I think the player has becoming more intriguing as we learn more about him. So a heck of a place to start for the Gators with Aaron Gates. And then, of course, this past weekend, we had two guys commit, one of them along the offensive line, which we've already talked about with Bryce Lovett, but now we've got Nige Harris. I'm I'm hoping that's how it's pronounced. Sorry, I read it <laughs> most of the time. Um, but we've got him coming to Gainesville, and and he committed on Saturday. And just just where do we fall on him and his ability to play in this? What we're expecting to see a wide zone style offense. Yeah, that's really where he fits best. Harris, you know, he's at IMG Academy, so first and foremost, you know, not only is he playing elite competition every moment that he's there, whether it's in the weight room, on the field, on the whiteboard, whatever it is. But you know he's going to play in his projected position because most players like him, if he's at any other school, he's going to be the left tackle because, you know, he's 6'4", 305, whatever it is, and he's going to be the best offensive lineman on the team. So his coach is going to bump him to left tackle and say, hey, protect my quarterback's blind side. Thanks so much. Good luck with recruiting. But at IMG, because there's so much talent around the entire roster, Harris plays inside uh, where he really shines as a physical point of attack blocker, uh, really specializes with his movement skills and in the run game, uh, which in a wide zone scheme, I mean, just watch Louisiana last year. They want to establish the run and they come at you right downhill. Not a whole lot of wasted movement or lateral movement in that offense. So I think that's where Harris is really a nice fit for what Billy Napier and company want to do offensively uh he stays on a low plane i mentioned his footwork is is really solid for a kid over 300 pounds you know we were at his uh ing had like a pro day workout a couple months back uh, where the whole team was was competing and running the l drills all the athletic testing and then they did some individual drills 
And I was really impressed with Harris. I could not believe how, how nimble he was relative to his frame. Because he's one of these guys that is 300 pounds, but he might look heavier with, with how he carries it. So I, I was really surprised to see how nimble he was in the footwork department. Uh, he, can, he can get to the second level. He can kick out block. And he can redirect for a, a kid his size, which is really impressive in the run blocking front. I think his pass protection probably has a bit of a ways to go uh, going forward. Uh, but you, you can you can retract some nasty from a prospect. It's hard to create it uh, up front uh, as a blocker. So even as a an aggressive, lengthy, powerful guy, you can you can dial some of that back and create a little bit more consistency with the pass protection. But of course, we'll see that you know when he's a senior at IMG this fall as well i'm hoping to get to their spring game next week so i have a little bit more of a fresh opinion on harris but obviously if you're florida you need o-linemen you need to reestablish the trenches and you absolutely have to continue to recruit img uh and he's an in-state kid anyway you know he's he's a floridian as well so really all three of those boxes were big to check in general for this commitment so good to see the gators getting that done and and you know continuing to reverse that img curse that uh we used to talk about and frankly laugh about at times. Thankfully for that one. <laughs> and then we had another commit on Saturday afternoon. It was Creed Whitmore. Of course, his brother is already a Gators wide receiver in Trent Whitmore. I'm like I said, when he committed, I'm going to screw that up for years. Um, yep. But I, I'm just going to deal with it. I accept it at that point. Yeah, and a versatile athlete, just like his big brother, uh, coming out of high school. Uh, I think with, with Creed, you know, there's so much more competitiveness in his game. You know, he's not as tall, not as long, at least not yet, uh, at about six foot, 180 pounds or so. But man, this kid's playing quarterback, he's catching passes, he's playing safety at the high school level. You absolutely love that, not only level of conditioning and, and kind of, you know, understanding of how important it is to win on Friday nights, but you love that responsibility that he is taking on as a signal caller uh, who has other things to do on a Friday night. So um, big time playmaker, you know, you watch him and, and he's kind of easy to like uh, as a runner and honestly, as a passer, I mean, he, he kind of lit it up with Quan Lee last year um, at Buholz. So, you know, I think, you know, that that's something, hey, down the line, hey, worst case scenario, hey, you got another quarterback or potential quarterback <laughs> on the roster. We saw, you know, another great high school quarterback in Kadarius Tony on the last regime's staff utilized as a passer here and there. So uh, I'm not saying he's got the, the KT arm because I've seen him throw that thing 70 yards, but, you know, Creed can can spin it enough to keep a defense honest, but obviously he's going to project as a wide receiver uh, where some of that competitiveness will certainly shine, not only as a receiver, but as a run blocker, as a physical player, which we get to see him uh, utilize on defense. It's probably not something we talk about enough in evaluating wide receivers, but I think that will be a strength in his game. And then, Watching him at quarterback, you understand, hey, after the catch, this kid is going to be special. He's instinctive. He's got great vision. He takes the right chances. And he's got a little physicality to his game, despite not being the, the biggest wide receiver out there. So local get, strong get, legacy get, those are other things that you have to do in recruiting. Um, easy to, to, to get the fan base behind that one. So uh, nice for the Gators to get him early, too, because he, he wasn't just one of these legacies that, hey, Nobody wants. Everyone thinks he's going to Florida, so they're not even going to offer. This kid was building uh, quite the offer list uh, as well. So, you know, the state of Florida is loaded at receiver, but getting a local one that others wanted, it, you know, feels good on the back end. So, you know, a good run here for the Gators uh, locally and, and throughout the state. 
And then there's one more commit that Florida has right now in Tyree Patterson, someone who, when he committed to Florida, Gators fans were like, <laughs> oh, well, this this guy's a nobody. Why would he be excited about that? And then not even two weeks later, sites started going like, well, we're going to bump him up quite a bit. Uh, so where do you call Tyree Patterson and his quick climb? Yeah, you, we were at a camp. I was with Zach Goodall, a colleague of mine at Sports Illustrator who covers the Gators. And we were at this Under Armour event in Orlando, and man, we just kept seeing the 6'3 receiver making plays. Uh, and then we saw Polish. He was an established route runner. And then we're like, what is the deal with this kid? And you look him up. He's from Eustis, Florida, where few people know kind of where that is uh, north of the Orlando area. But man, was he productive. Over 1,000 yards, double-digit touchdowns, really a smooth operator, even though he was the focal point of that offense. And you start to watch him more and more, and I'm like, I'm nudging Zach. I'm like, yo, I'm like, this guy can absolutely play. What is going on? I uh, had no Power 5 offers at the time. And, and, and then we talked to Chris Chambers, former NFL wide receiver, uh, who was coaching that day. And he's like, that kid has no Power 5 offers. I'm like, that's, that's what we're seeing right now. And he was like, that's going to change. And we're like, yeah, we agree. And we, we wrote about him and, and, and kind of praised him there. And boom, here comes Florida with a scholarship offer. He took a visit and, and that was kind of it. You know, he verbally committed and, and was kind of done with, with that part of the process. But people are still finding out uh, a little bit more uh, about him, uh, about Tyree. Uh, and I think as that continues, I do think he's going to continue to get opportunities. So for Florida to be, to be that first school at the Power Five level to jump in, I think that will be critical in this recruitment because UCF has since offered, Florida State is in contact, other schools are aware of this kid. So not sure if he's going to take visits elsewhere, but his profile athletically is rising. So for the Gators to get him on the commitment list early, I thought was was really smart because again, 6'3", 185 pounds. He's got that basketball frame, long arms, upside down triangle, body, broad shouldered, uh, but he's got polish too. He's not just this tall, raw basketball player looking to play football. He is a football player who happens to play basketball. And I think you can't have enough polish when you're, again, trying to overhaul an entire roster. So kids who can run a route um, and, and widen the catch radius at the same time are, are going to be that much more pushed forward, you know, in terms of playing sooner rather than later. So I'm looking forward to seeing him filling out his frame a little bit and polishing up even more before he gets to college. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him now too, especially now. Uh, thank you, John. You can catch John on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior. And again, he is with Sports Illustrated as the Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. Thank you, Brandon. That was John Garcia, and we're about to get into our second part of the interview with Nina Rickards, which again was just a phenomenal interview. But first, a quick word from Rock Auto, because today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing number of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I have no idea. And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer for you more expensive than you can get it yourself online with rockauto.com. Because if you've got a phone or if you've got a computer, which you have because you are listening or watching to Lockdown Gators, then you have access to Rock Auto. You save time, you save money, you get to do it yourself. And that there's just something special about doing it yourself. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know exactly who sent you with amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. 
College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. We've seen it have such a large impact on college football and college sports in general over the past few months, especially. It impacts current athletes, affects the decisions of recruits, both in the high school and the transfer portal. And Gators fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content interactions and events, which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports and Florida can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. We're going to shift gears towards more of the off-court, getting getting to know Nina Rickards here. Uh, and I'm starting this one off because I got a bone to pick with you. Um, you like the Nets over the Knicks? Yes, I do. I, 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 don't, I don't like that. I don't... Because, like... When we were growing up, we're, I mean, I'm a few years older than you, but close enough to say when we were growing up, you know, the Nets were still in Jersey. <laughs> like, like they were still in Jersey. Why are you a Nets fan? That is true. I don't know. It's just something about the Knicks. No, no offense to them. I've, I've been to a few of their games and stuff, but the talent that it, that, that was brought to the Nets, uh, I've been a fan of Kyrie and, and, and Kevin Durant. So I just, they're in my city, different borough, but they're in my city. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hop on that bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was it like for you to get adjusted to Gainesville? Because obviously, you know, you mentioned they're from your state, a different borough. You're from Queens. I'm from Queens. Yay! Um, but you know, uh, I don't know if, if listeners don't know this. New York City is just a little bit different from Gainesville. So what was it like for you to get adjusted there? Um, I would say something like one of my skills is being able to adapt in any environment that I'm put in really quickly at that so I just knew like this was a part of my life where I had to make the best decision like off the court and off the court wise where I had no distractions and I could like grow as a person and be independent so I knew it was going to be like tough and you know Gainesville is more of like a slow college town where New York is just fast everything is going public transportation is always something to do so I mean it was a it, it got boring you know when I first got got there and got <laughs> part was over and I had a little break I was like oh there's nothing to do but after a while you know, just being able to have that relationship with my teammates and my coaches I just feel comfortable and at home with them so you know obviously I'll find things to do on the weekends or something like that but the fan base and the support system there is awesome so I think that's a big plus and that's what actually helped me be able to be so comfortable in Gainesville yeah, and uh, I mean, you just mentioned that how different it is, and it's more slow pace there. I'm someone who also, when I went to college, I was like, I'm leaving, I'm going somewhere small pace, so I or slower pace. So I could appreciate that, just that that breath of fresh air of like not everything being like you you snap, you're like everything's great. Like it's like I I appreciate that breath of fresh air there. Um, and then according to the Gators website, which is you know just background stuff, um, your favorite basketball player, Steph Curry, that's still true. Okay, uh, so I, I usually, because usually it's LeBron, MJ, Kobe. I'm taking a different approach to this one. Why is it Steph Curry? I think uh, just because he's, you know, more my generation type of player. And, you know, everybody usually gives the answer, MJ, LeBron, Kobe, like you said. 
uh, I just love how, you know, he's not as consistent every game, but like, you know, he picks something to work on to, to, you know, to make him different than everybody else. And that is his shot, you know, of, um, I just, I like the way he plays an all around player, you know, obviously he's a shooter, but he can do other things. And, you know, some people are surprised at what he can do for his size and his, uh, you know, his ability to shoot, but he can also like pass the ball. He can lay the ball up, get by his defender. You know, he's just cool to watch. So that's just somebody that I stuck with watching. I'm rooting for Golden State now, so. All right. And uh, you, you mentioned that there's another player that you like who's more that modern day, Kyrie Irving. Who, who wins one-on-one, Steph or Kyrie? I don't think to this. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a hard, that's a hard. I'm going to just, I'm going to stay loyal. Loyal to staff, but don't quote me on this. <laughs> I, I am exactly quoting you. <laughs> um, and do you have any pregame rituals, routines, specific playlists that you listen to on game day? Um, I would say I definitely get a nap in before every game. We have enough time uh, after pregame meal, you know, to have a, l- a little downtime to ourselves to get in our zone. So I get a little nap in and I play. Um, I must listen to hip hop, sometimes Little Baby or Little Dirk. But honestly, sometimes I don't even need music. I just put my AirPods in to just, you know, mute out everything else and I just get in my zone. Or I even watch like previous clips from uh like the last game and see what I did wrong or like what my advances would be against the defender. So I think that like just watching film before actually helps me out a lot more. It helped me become a little more consistent toward the end of the season. So And then there's significance to pretty much everybody why they wear their jersey number it's not usually just because it was available there's usually some kind of significance to it so uh, what is your significance for wearing the number 15 so my significance for 15 um this is a number i got my freshman year of high school by uh one of my um high school coaches i also played au for him and when i got there i was i was just asking him like what made you give me this number and he uh told me about one of the former players there, Claire Drosh, and I kept that number uh, up until my senior year. And she happened to have came back and came and coached my team. And she wore that number and she was a All-American um, Hall of Famer at Boston College as well. She was really good, but she was diagnosed with cancer. And she was a part of the staff. And we really just, we connected on a deeper level. You know, uh, she talked to me about my game and how how good I could be if I just switched my mentality. and just went hard every day. And, you know, she just stuck with me. Uh, sadly, she passed away my junior my junior year in high school. But a lot of our conversations were really deep. And, you know, having somebody new that knows the game and has been in the position that you want to be in, it just uh, speaks a lot of volume and it sticks with you. So I just, you know, kept that number with me and I forever hold her close to my heart because she was really special to me. And I even have, uh, I even have my her number on my chain. I don't take it off unless I have to in practice or game. So it's always on me, but yeah, that number means a lot. That's an awesome story. Um, and then the, the last question, I decided that I was going to make this my last question with every player from now on, because uh, I started asking it a couple interviews ago. And for some reason, people love hearing about it. 
Um, you have a couple of tattoos, at least. I know you've got at least two or three. I think I've seen them on the arms. Um, what is your favorite or most important tattoo to you? Uh, okay, so I have two. I have one favorite and I have one most important. So the most important one, it is on the side, like my rib area. And it's kind of a two-piece tattoo. The first part of it says, um, always in my mind, forever in my heart. And it's, and those represent my grandmothers who sadly passed away due to uh, that. I a rose, like incorporated in the rose. End of it. So I think that well, like that side of my rib is like the grandmothers. And then I have a tattoo on my arm. It's probably the one that you've seen. And it says, no matter, um, you never know how long you are until you until it's your only option. So I don't know. It's just ironic that it's right here on my bicep, but I think it's just a cool, like, you know, something to always think about. Like, just when you face adversity, it's just, you can always get through it. Like, just believe in yourself. You'll always be strong enough to get through whatever is So those are my favorite ones. I mean, like I said, listeners listeners love the tattoo question now. So that's how I'm wrapping it up every time. Thank you for joining us, Nina. Uh, you can catch Nina on Instagram at ninarickards.15. Catch her on Twitter at ninarickards underscore 15. And catch her on the court this fall for the Florida Gators women's basketball team. Thank you, guys. Go Gators. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow talking about the impact that Rob Sale could have on this Florida Gators offensive line this year. Now make your second listen, Lockdown SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports 790. He's always coming out with the newest, latest, and best content regarding the SEC. And he always has player interviews set up. It's amazing content Monday through Friday with Locked On SEC. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all tomorrow.